to hear the second part of the 11th chapter of our book, A Little Princess by Frances Hodgson Burnett, and a jingle from The Jingle Book by Carolyn Wells. It's been one week since I started high school, and it's going pretty well. Sort of. Are you still in school? How's it going? I hope it's going great. If you're new here, you should probably pause here and go listen to all the other episodes I've done. Okay, now, pause. You're back? That was so fast. Are you sure you listened all the way through? All right, then. If everyone is ready, let's read. Chapter 11, Ram Dass, Part 2. Remember what happened last time? That's right. Sarah had gone outside, well, outside of her window, to look at the sunset, and, <laughs> by a little mistake that happened, a monkey climbed in through her window, and then the Ramdas from the other skylight had to come in and get the monkey, and you know all the story. Okay. When he had gone, when Ramdas had gone, Sarah stood in the middle of her attic and thought of many things his face and his manner had brought back to her. The sight of his native costume and the profound reverence of his manner stirred all of her past memories. It seemed a strange thing to remember that she, the drudge whom the cook had said insulting things to an hour ago, had only a few years ago been surrounded by people who all treated her as Ramdas had treated her, who salamed when she went by, whose foreheads almost touched the ground when she spoke to them, who were her servants and her slaves. It was like a sort of dream. It was all over and it could never come back. It certainly seemed that there was no way in which any change could take place. She knew what Miss Minchin intended that her future should be. So long as she was too young to be used as a regular teacher, she would be used as an errand girl and servant and yet be expected to remember what she had learned and in some mysterious way to learn more. The greater number of her evenings she was supposed to spend at study, and at various indefinite intervals she was examined, and knew she would have been severely admonished if she had not advanced as was expected of her. The truth, indeed, was that Miss Minchin knew that she was too anxious to learn to require teachers, give her books, and she would devour them and end by knowing them by heart. She might be trusted to be equal to teaching a good deal in the course of a few years. This was what would happen. When she was older, she would be expected to drudge in the schoolroom, as she drudged now in various parts of the house. They would be obliged to give her more respectable clothes, but they would be sure to be plain and ugly and to make her look somehow like a servant. That was all there would seem to be to look forward to, and Sarah stood quite still for several minutes and thought it over. Then a new thought came back to her which made the color rise in her cheeks and a spark light itself in her eyes. She straightened her thin little body and lifted her head. Whatever comes, she said, cannot alter one thing. If I am a princess in rags and tatters, I can be a princess inside. It would be easy to be a princess if I were dressed in cloth of gold, but it is a great deal more of a triumph to be one all the time when no one knows it. There was Marie Antoinette when she was in prison and her throne was gone and she had only a black gown on and her hair was white and they insulted her and called her Widow Capet. She was a great deal more like a queen then than when she was so gay and everything was so grand. I like her best then. Those howling mobs of people did not frighten her. She was stronger than they were even when they cut her head off. This was not a new thought but quite an old one by this time. 
It had consoled her through many a bitter day, and she had gone about the house with an expression on her face, which Miss Minchin could not understand, and which was a source of great annoyance to her, as it seemed as if the child were mentally living a life which held her above the rest of the world. It was as if she scarcely heard the rude and acid things said to her, or if she heard them did not care for them at all. Sometimes, when she was in the midst of some harsh, domineering speech, Miss Minchin would find the still, unchildish eyes fixed upon her with something like a proud smile in them. At such times, she did not know that Sarah was saying to herself, "'You don't know that you are saying these things to a princess, and that if I chose, I could wave my hand and order you to execution.' I only spare you because I am a princess, and you are a poor, stupid, unkind, vulgar old thing, and don't know any better. This used to interest and amuse her more than anything else, and queer and fanciful as it was, she found comfort in it, and it was a good thing for her. While the thought held possession of her, she could not be made rude and malicious by the rudeness and malice of those about her. A princess must be polite, she said to herself. And so, when the servants, taking their tone from their mistress, were insolent and ordered her about, she would hold her head erect and reply to them with a quaint civility which often made them stare at her. "'She's got more airs and graces than if she came for Buckingham Palace, that young one,' said the cook, chuckling a little sometimes. "'I lose my temper with her often enough, but I will say she never forgets her manners. "'If you please, cook, will you be so kind, cook? I beg your pardon, cook. May I trouble you, cook?' "'She drops him about the kitchen as if they was nothing.' The morning after the interview with Ram Dass and his monkey, Sarah was in the schoolroom with her small pupils. Having finished giving them their lessons, she was putting the French exercise books together and thinking, as she did it, of the various things royal personages in disguise were called upon to do. Alfred the Great, for instance, burning the cakes and getting his ears boxed by the wife of the nethered. How frightening she must have been when she found out what she had done. If Miss Minchin should find out that she, Sarah, whose toes were almost sticking out of her boots, was a princess, a real one. The look in her eyes was exactly the look which Miss Minchin most disliked. She would not have it. She was quite near her and was so enraged that she actually flew at her and boxed her ears, exactly as the Netherd's wife had boxed King Alfred's. It made Sarah start. She had wakened from her dream at the shock, and, catching her breath, stood still a second. Then, not knowing she was going to do it, she broke into a little laugh. "'What are you laughing at, you bold, impudent child?' Miss Minchin exclaimed. It took Sarah a few seconds to control herself sufficiently to remember that she was a princess. Her cheeks were red and smarting from the blows she had received. "'I was thinking,' she answered. "'Beg my pardon immediately.' said Miss Minchin. Sarah hesitated a second before she replied. I will beg your pardon for laughing if it was rude, she said then, but I won't beg your pardon for thinking. What were you thinking? demanded Miss Minchin. How dare you think? What were you thinking? Jessie tittered, and she and Lavinia nudged each other in unison. All the girls looked up from their books to listen. Really, it was always interesting. Really, it always interested them a little when Miss Minchin attacked Sarah. Sarah always said something queer, and never seemed the least bit frightened. She was not in the least frightened now, though her boxed ears were scarlet and her eyes were as bright as stars. I was thinking, she answered grandly and politely, 
that you did not know what you were doing. That I did not know what I was doing? Miss Minchin fairly gasped. Yes, said Sarah, and I was thinking what would happen if I were a princess and you boxed my ears, what I should do to you. And I was thinking that if I were one, she would never dare to do it, whatever I said or did. And I was thinking how surprised and frightened you would be if you suddenly found out. She had the imagined future so clearly before her eyes that she spoke in a manner which had an effect even upon Miss Minchin. It almost seemed for the moment to her narrow, imaginative mind that there must be some real power hidden behind this candid daring. What? she exclaimed. Found out what? That I really was a princess, said Sarah, and could do anything, anything I liked. Every pair of eyes in the room widened to its full limit. Lavinia leaned forward on her seat to look. Go to your room! cried Miss Minchin breathlessly. This instant, leave the schoolroom. Attend to your lessons, young ladies. Sarah made a little bow. Excuse me for laughing if it was impolite, she said, and walked out of the room, leaving Miss Minchin struggling with her rage and the girls whispering over their books. Did you see her? Did you see how queer she looked? Jessie broke out. I shouldn't be at all if she did turn out to be something. Suppose she should. And that is the end of our chapter today. Guess what? Do you know how many chapters there are in A Little Princess? I'm sure I've said it before. Well, there are 19. And next week, we're going to start chapter 12. Oh, guys, guess what? Remember I told you, send me a jingle you made up if you can and all that, you know, to my email last week? Well, someone did. Let's hear this new jingle, and since it's sort of short, we're going to hear another one from the jingle book after it. The listener jingle is called Planting a Seed. Planting a seed, turning the sod, plucking a weed, praying to God. Oh God, please let this flower grow, so one day it can be a meadow. The bees will sit at the flower's edge, and a little fox kit might sit on a ledge, looking out at the sky and the meadow below it. So God take the seed and one day bestow it. That was amazing. I loved it so much. Let's hear another jingle, like I said, from the jingle book, okay? This second jingle is called Young America. Wee Willie sat a-thinking, and he shook his curly head. Around him on the nursery floor, his treasures lay outspread. Firecrackers and torpedoes, trumpet and flag and drum, rockets and pinwheels and paper caps, for Fourth of July had come. But it makes me sort of sorry, Wee Willie said with a sigh, to think of those poor little English boys without any Fourth of July. He kind of reminds me of my brother. You know, Willie reminds me of my brother. He loves firecrackers and all that. But do you know why he said that? Why he was sorry for the poor English boys? Well, because 4th of July is a holiday that is only celebrated in the United States and not in England. Maybe in England they have a similar day that they do firecrackers. Same here in Spain. What do you think? With that question, let's wrap up this episode like a nice tidy gift. I hope you enjoyed this episode and come back on Monday 
for a brand new episode. I hope you have a great week. And if you're still in school or starting it, have a great school week. Whopping thanks to Epidemic Sound for the songs and sound you heard today and to Project Gutenberg for the books we read. See you next week.